You're listening to Big Girl Money, and we have a great episode today. We'll start with a big girl news story about how Mattel is recognizing some fabulous role models with their new line of Barbie dolls. Can't wait. (laughs) And then we have a phenomenal interview with serial CEO in the food industry, Jane Miller, and her adorable poodle, Bella. (laughs) I don't think you hear Bella. (laughs) Yeah, you probably don't hear her, but she's here. She was there. I promise. And we end with a inspiring Big Girl Money Spotlight about a woman that's breaking the glass ceiling at the Marine Corps. All right, let's do it. So, Miss... Ronnie, what is new in your life, little girl? Oh, I was big about, woman. I was about to do my big girl story. <laughs> no, I was getting all I want to hear about you first. I know. I don't really have anything that new other than considering getting a Vespa. Yes. So because I'm not 100% sure about it, though. It is an alternative to getting a new car. And, yeah. And minimizing your expenses. I'm yeah. sure. The new car is officially out of the budget. Oh, crap. The, the new salary does not have room for a new car. <laughs> when we become a data scientist, yes, then it will. Yes, then it will. And you'll appreciate sure. it more. That's a positive side of this. Yeah. Until then, we may be getting more phone calls where, Wendy, <laughs> you have to come get me. I tried to get us coffee and my car won't start. I've gotten that. So, Well, this is really the only place I drive. Yeah. Because very true. Parker and I go on like all of our errands together, so we always take his car. Yes, and then I don't drive to work because right. the parking's so expensive. Right, exactly. But I could take a little Vespa down to work. That's very true. But do you want to hear something really embarrassing? Always, I, <laughs> always. Are you kidding me? I was googling Vespas and how expensive they were. I have no idea how much they cost. So I'm like googling them, and I'm like, oh. Walmart has them. That's kind of cool. And I'm like, oh my God, they're only like $500. So I text Amanda and I go, I think I'm going to get a Vespa. And Amanda goes, oh yeah, really? And I'm like, she goes, how much are they? I go, they're only like 500 bucks. She goes, there is no way. Send the link. So I sent the link. No, it wasn't. And she just responds, ages three to eight. I knew it was a toy. <laughs> I knew it. What if I had ordered that? You're so crazy. <laughs> order it with like a matching helmet. The helmet's like this big. Oh my God. Well, so I... that was embarrassing. They're actually like, if you buy them new, they're like two to 2,500. Yeah. But you can get used ones for like 1,200. Well, and I think it would be, I've always wanted one. I think it'd be fabulous. Yeah, I know. So I think Parker and I are going to do some Vespa shopping this weekend. That sounds fun. See what happens. Good. And look at the used market, right? Yeah. If you can find the right one. I know. I just don't want it to be ugly. I agree. I want it to be cute. I agree. I got one of those. Pink. What is those bikes that they're cute with the baskets on them? Oh, cruisers. Cruisers. Yeah. So Maddie brings me a cruiser from um, school. Uh-huh. At the end of the year, they just cut off. These kids just walk away from their bikes and at leave the end them of the on year. campus. So they cut the locks and let people at a certain time I can time a little bit them. understand that because one time I lost my bike on campus for like a week. <laughs> I couldn't remember where I had parked it last. A week oh, it took wow. me to find it. Wow, and you don't so, even have chemo brain. Exactly. Yeah, I have a healthy, healthy brain. <laughs> so can I can imagine it's yes. the end of the school year and yeah, you can't, they just if walk you can't away. find your bike, can't find your yeah. bike. So she brought one home for me and I got a new tire, but it's black 
and I got a basket for it, so it's really cool now. And I oh. tried to paint where it had kind of gotten some scrapes. Oh, uh, you restored it. I kind of restored it, but I want it to be a pretty color instead of black. Oh, I yeah. so want it to be. And then I thought, I'm just being silly. I This bike no, is fabulous. You are not being silly. <laughs> you deserve a lime green bike. Will you help me restore my scooter? Honey, there's nothing I can't do now. Okay, wow. I just put in t- new tile behind our new stove. I know. And I am so proud of myself. I feel so, so accomplished. I know. A few days ago, you didn't even know the word for grout. And I now, didn't. And now you're tiling. It just, when you get it done, it's such a sense of fulfillment. And, yeah, I could see that. And you're making it yours, right? Yeah. And you've, so you don't even have to deal with these awful construction guys. I.e. Gary from Lowe's. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Did we tell that story? That was yes. awful. <laughs> I can't even remember what story uh, I've told and what I haven't. I've turned into well, my grandmother. Well, I think you, you've put a lot of energy into Gary, so I'm sure he's. we've mentioned him on the podcast. Yes, so we have to. You're getting on. tense when we yeah. just say Gary. Totally yoga breathing <laughs> over here. I mean, I mean. And, and Motto, we, don't we, be a Gary. And I've learned so much because when the, the stove went out, a 30-year-old stove that, believe me, I just couldn't wait to get it out today. Mm-hmm. And I told Chris, you have got to find the stove. I can't do it. I cannot call the, the Home Depot or the Lowe's people. Oh, because you're worried that you might get yeah, Gary Yeah, I will hurt somebody. Imagine if you called and got Gary on the oh line again. Oh, my God. <laughs> It'd be like, Gary, He'd go, you- Wendy, yes. you offended me. <laughs> Are you calling to offend me again? That's what he'd say. <laughs> I am still offended. <laughs> That's exactly how he oh said it. Oh, my God. Well, Gary, we wish you exactly a okay. upward trajectory. The big news on the cancer front, Ronnie, oh, to, yes. to, to kind of close it in is... I love how we start with my I'm, Vespa and then we move no, to your cancer. We pick. are now getting weekly fills. Right, we're getting poofed where up. You, you like drive into the gas station, get the <laughs> extra air in your tire, and then you drive out. That's how is I feel. Is that really how you feel? That's how I feel. Because I go, it takes me an hour to get there, to Anschutz. Yeah. I go... As it takes her five minutes. She puts a needle in the middle of my boobie. And what, what she does puts that in the, feel like? That has it, to feel honey, so weird. My boobie, my skin, I don't feel anything. It's just numb. It's like me putting my hand on your arm or your leg. Oh, that right, right, right. It's right. numb. So it is a little disconcerting to have the big ass needle coming at your boobie though. Like yeah. this should hurt. This should hurt. Like your brain's in overload. Oh. And then you just go, Nope, it's not gonna hurt. It didn't hurt last time and it didn't hurt the second time. But it's been so funny because now I can see it's like being pregnant and watching the little baby bump get Except, bigger and bigger. Yeah, but it's a baby booby. It's getting <laughs> bigger and bigger. Well, I'm glad you're happy about it. Oh, it's so neat. So how I, many times do they have to puff it up? Before? Five to six because they can uh, only put so many cc's in at a time. Oh. And it, it's when you look down and you go, yeah, that's the right size. So, yeah, that looks about right. Are you serious? Yeah, that's how they decide. When you look down and it's you go. It's literally like pumping up a tire. Oh, you yeah. You like push it. You're like, feels, that yeah. feels about good. Yeah, this looks about right. <laughs> it is so crazy. Oh, my God. And it's saline that goes You're in gonna there. You're going to have the best boobs ever when I this whole wait. thing is done. I'm, I'm getting a little bit more excited about it. We, When you're all done, we should go somewhere where we can really show them off, like a resort in Mexico or something. That would be great. All right. Let's get into our big yes. girl news. Yes. That was news about us two big girls. Now we'll talk about all the other ones out there. <laughs> so 
Are you ready for this, Wendy? Yes, and it's actually about a company, not about an individual, right? Yeah. I like that. (laughs) I like when we we recognize companies doing the right thing, just like when when women are doing the right thing. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. All right, so Rosa Parks has been honored with a Barbie doll on Women's Equality Day. Ooh. The toy company Mattel unveiled the new doll for Women's Equality Day on August 26th as part of a range dedicated to celebrating inspiring women. The Rosa Parks doll is part of the Inspiring Women series doll based on historical figures that come with educational information about the contributions each woman made to society as well as authentic clothing. That is so neat. (laughs) The series also includes a doll honoring Sally Ride, the first American woman in space. Mattel unveiled the Inspiring Women series to mark International Women's Day last year with 17 new dolls representing real women to serve as role models that included Olympic snowboarding champion Chloe Kim, artist and activist Frida Kahlo, and Wonder Woman filmmaker Patty Jenkins. That is so cool. I know. I like it. I do too. Because Barbies, I mean, come on. Time to diversify the Barbies. I agree. And I actually got to see Sally Ride speak at Avaya. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Or AT&T was at the time. Wow. The company's decision was based on a global survey of mothers in which 86% said they were worried about the kind of role models their daughters were exposed to. Great. Which I can totally understand. That's so good that they even did the survey and wanted to figure this out. Oh, listen to this. I didn't know this. In 2016, Mattel released three new types of Barbie, curvy, petite, and tall. The company was praised for opening up to diverse body types following the introduction of new skin tones and hair textures the previous year. The first Barbie to wear a hijab was introduced in 2017. How cool. Way to go, Mattel. Yes. I wish that the body types were a little bit more like, I've seen the curvy Barbies yeah. and they're still like really v- banging v- bodies. You like know what I mean? Like boom kind of gaming. Well, they still have like tiny waists yeah. and like their yeah. boobs are perfectly proportioned. You know what I mean? Oh, I get it. It's, it's not like they're like pear-shaped barbies yeah or just even regular athletic body or yeah athletic right yeah because how many real people do you know in the world that has that little teeny waist and that big boobies beyonce is literally the only one i can think of wow that has a body like a barbie right right isn't didn't somebody like say that a barbie the original barbie doll was it's like physically impossible to look like yeah because you wouldn't have enough room for your organs Or something know. wild. I don't know if that was it. But <laughs> don't repeat that, that's, listeners. But it was something. That was interesting. You cannot have a waist that tiny. <laughs> it's like impossible. Well, <laughs> thank you for highlighting the great work of Mattel. Ryan. Yes, you are welcome. So we're off to our interview with yes. the fabulous Jane Miller. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Tell me about her. So Jane Miller, CEO and founder of Jane Knows, a career advice website, has spent three decades in the corporate world. For the past 20, she's become the highest ranking woman in every company she's worked in, including PepsiCo, Heinz, and many others. Now she's written a how-to for millennials wanting to make it to the top. Maybe the only woman to ever launch a book with a lingerie line. Isn't that cool? Yes. A Jane's story of a small town girl who made it to the top is a sassy, substantial read. We're so excited to have. It was April 2018. I think so. And she said she was so proper. 
She said, I would like to have coffee. I'd like to buy you coffee. I have a business proposition for you. <laughs> oh, this was the start of the expensive coffee routine. Yeah, yes. Was. yes. And so we sat down. That's my and, go-to move. <laughs> and she um, said, you have changed my life mentoring me, and I want to share you with the rest of the world. Oh, wow. I said, that's a good sales pitch. Right. Yeah? Right. That is really good. Who says no to that? Well, eh, I don't think so. Because you had a radio show offer. Oh, yeah. With, so you were thinking about doing yeah. the radio show instead, yeah. and I really wanted you to do this. So I was yeah. like, radio's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? uh, yeah, I was like, if you do radio, it won't even last. I was like, you have to do a podcast. Well, and it was so funny because the guy I was going to do it with, he's like 70 and very traditional and it was just a whole different experience right right compared to crazy over there yeah. you know <laughs> so that's great good crazy, good crazy. <laughs> all right so um I would start by saying that you're probably my favorite guest because you brought a dog Ooh. and chocolate. <laughs> you know, I that's how I roll. You know, chocolate always makes you the most favorite person, and I'm all about trying to be the most favorite person. So, <laughs> yes. so, you're doing so, a good so far, job. thank you. And just to paint a picture for the listeners, she's sitting with her cute little puppy on her yeah. lap. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes, we are going to get pictures because we haven't ever had in a guest that was quite this photogenic as, as, a, the, as puppy. the dog yes <laughs> as bella as bella, bella yes if you could crop me out and just have bella in there and uh, maybe you can make her lips move or something you know <laughs> bella. do you have one of those cute little like totes that you that people carry their puppies in oh the dogs in? so horrifying to say this because i always had big dogs and oh. i never wanted to be the person that had a little dog that carries her up the dog around all the time uh-huh. but now I have a tote because she flies with me and so yesterday we just came back from California and she's the best dog in the world on a plane really so, so she goes everywhere with me bringing your dog on a plane isn't even I don't even bat an eye anymore when I see a dog no I, I can't remember I don't last either. time I was on a plane and didn't see a dog I agree they're always on the planes I know, but she's not like a service dog, so she actually has to stay in the tote underneath the seat, oh, which is she's really... She's a personal item. She's like a personal <laughs> item. She's a personal One of my two item. personal yeah. items, and she doesn't go in the overhead bend, so <laughs> that's right. Oh, my gosh. That's great. That's hilarious. Oh, so sweet. Sweet do Bella. You, do you like being called a personal item, oh, Bella? Oh, my God, look at her. She's I like, know. yes. She's so... Even, now, we tried, we tried Moxie business. in here, her new big dog. And we heard her chomping on her stick, whatever that stick is. <laughs> oh, the whole time you were trying to, yeah. Oh, yeah. to interview? Oh, so yeah. So finally we had to put her way over there on the other side. <laughs> and she's still, we could still hear her. I know. So. I need to bring her back because now she's not a puppy anymore. So she's a little better behaved. Nightmare. So I knew, Jane, I needed to meet you when I read Sleeping Your Way to the Top and Other Business Myths. Uh, sleep your way to the top and other myths about business success. I'm so sorry. That's right. I, and I had that right in front of me, and we're just going to call it chemo brain right now. <laughs> it's a long title. Even though right now. It is a long title. Yeah, yes. And you have just spent a lot of your career really trying to make a difference for women and trying to help uh, them succeed. And I think it's just one of the reasons when we put a list together, guest list. You're an original member you, of our dream you list. You totally are. From, <laughs> nice. from the beginning, we've wanted you here. So thank you for being here. Oh, thanks. I'm honored to be here. Any chance to talk about how we can be more successful as, as women is the most important thing that I could spend my time doing. So I'm so happy that you two have taken ownership of this concept thank and you. would have me be a part of that. That's Yay. great. That's awesome. great. That's and what we mean when we say making big 
girl money. We were talking about that the other day. It means being successful and proud of what you do and proud of your accomplishments, but also wanting to help other women along the way. And lift them up, right? What you do with the big girl money is just as important as getting it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that paying it forward is our responsibility if you've had the chance to make big girl money. And even if you haven't had the chance to do that, just I think being a big girl in the world, it's uh, a a responsibility and it's, it's important, I think, to be able to, to help others uh, that are earlier in their path. Totally. So um, your career really took off when you landed your job at Frito-Lay, right? You kind of worked your butt off, I'm assuming, as a president of this a billion dollar division. And you were around 30, mid-30s? Yeah, 36. Wow. Yes. How could you explain to our listeners how you got from growing up as a child in Illinois to the <laughs> point that you got to this big role? So I think, so my background as a starting point is that I did grow up in Peoria, Illinois, and I was the oldest of four kids. And my mom had gotten pregnant with me when she was a teenager. And so she got married to my dad and then had my three brothers. But my mom never went to college and never had a real job until my dad left us for his girlfriend uh, when my mom was like in her early 30s. And my mom had never had a job and had four kids. Oh, no. And so I was about 13 at the time. And, you know, if you're in your early 30s and you've never had a job, and back then you could be a deadbeat dad. And oh, so, that's true. You know, so Wasn't my, the infrastructure in place e- back exactly. then? Exactly. So you could just leave. And so this, my dad basically left my mom with the four of us. And imagine having no education, really having had no job because you'd yeah. been a stay-at-home mom. And now all of a sudden you have to work and to support your kids. And so my mom was someone that always had like three jobs. She was the gal that was driving the school bus in the morning. She would go to the nursing home and be like the activity director. And then she was the 911 gal at night that was answering calls that came in. Oh my gosh. Wow. And, and they were all, you know, minimum wage jobs and, and, you know, just barely had enough money to kind of keep it all together. And so for me, what was so amazing, and it's like almost hard for me to even tell, I mean, the story is so old, but to even be able to tell without crying is she wanted so much for me to not have that same background and how important it was to have an education. And I feel so strongly about this that, you know, an education just opens so many doors for people, Mm -hmm. regardless of what you study. I agree. Whether it's community college or it's a trade school or, you know, it's liberal arts or business school, whatever it is, just having that additional education that totally. helps you build your skills. And mm-hmm. totally. so she was just very supportive of that because she wanted me to have a different background. And so I was able to uh, you know, get pretty much a full scholarship to go and get my undergraduate at Knox College in Illinois. And then I um, moved to Texas and then went to Southern Methodist and got my MBA. And I think kind of the key to my success uh, starting back then and probably still to today is a couple things. One is having a really strong work ethic. And maybe we'll talk about balance a little bit later. And I think that's yeah. different than work ethic. I do too. And, you know, just how hard you really put effort behind things. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing was what I saw with my mom was that she was treated really poorly. You know, a woman who was, you know, again, in her early 30s back then was like old, you know, I guess, <laughs> to be in the workforce. And and the way she was treated was very disrespectful. And I think I learned from a very early age 
how you treat people. And I think, so for my success, and so going from Peoria, Illinois to starting at Frito, and I think the rest of my career, working hard, but always having an empathy for another person mm-hmm. and trying to understand where what their background was, where they came from, yeah, and feeling super blessed that in my life I was able to be on the path that I've been on. So. Wow, you had so much. One of the things we've seen with a lot of our guests is they somehow were the low man on the totem pole or the low woman. And they learned that empathy early on and it made them, it built so much compassion. Yeah. And I think the empathy one is, is point is just so big. And I think it's one of the things that's so different about the business world today versus when I started 35 Mm -hmm. years ago is that back then most leaders didn't have empathy. It Mm -hmm. was very much, you know, my way or the highway, very command and control for sure. Command and control. And today, I think that there is a lot more empathy, a lot more understanding about different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that that's why, why it's so much more exciting. I think, Ronnie, if I was in your situation and your age starting, kind of starting my career, because I just think that there's so many, there's so much more openness and so much more opportunity, I think, than there was even, you know, 35 years right. ago. Wow. Totally. Um, so how did you get from this getting this MBA to this this big job. What, how did that go? So it was a number of years. Well, first of all, I mean, the, the best part of the story is that I actually got turned down by Frito-Lay, uh, that they had uh, interviewed me, and I interviewed like seven people in the course of a day, and I thought I'd done pretty well, and I didn't get the job. And it turned out that of the seven people I interviewed, the first six people I interviewed all really liked me, but the most senior person didn't think I could do the job. And so he, um, so because he was the most senior person, right. it wasn't a democracy, yep. and I didn't get the job. I obviously didn't know this at the time. He vetoed you. He vetoed me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, like you don't know why they just say, hey, you know, we don't have a fit. So I actually, my first job right out of my MBA is I went to work for a bank, um, oh. which was uh, kind of my second choice. My first choice was Frito-Lay. The second choice was a bank. And about nine months starting the bank job, and oh my gosh, I would have been the worst banker ever. So thank (laughs) goodness that um, what happened happened. One of the people that interviewed me the year before called me and said, we'd like you to come back and interview the guy that that uh, vetoed you, uh, has left the company. Um, I actually like to think he was fired. but I love that. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's, probably... a, that's your story. <laughs> that's right? that's yeah. a story that I've created in my mind. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but what they did was they couldn't remember my name, but they remembered that I had gone to SMU and oh got my, my MBA gosh. and that I was a Russian major undergraduate. And so they called SMU. And of course, uh, there was only one person in the history of SMU that was a Russian major undergraduate (laughs) that had gotten an MBA. And so they tracked me down. That's amazing. And then then I got a job. That is the best story. One of the best stories we've heard. Yeah. Right? Well, they must have really wanted you to go to all that trouble. Well, it's so crazy, though. But it's such a great example of if you're interviewing for a job, Mm -hmm. do not just focus on the most senior person. Really, like, again, going back to sort of the empathy and how you treat people, like every person person counts every person counts <laughs> right. and in that particular example it yeah. absolutely like held held to be true and so I started there and I spent the first 14 years of my career at uh, Frito and I mean you great. worked wow. your way up from an entry level almost out of school up to the president position yeah I was the first uh, female president at Frito-Lay wow 
So and you, you must girl. you must have been one of the youngest too. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. At thirty six. Yeah, I was actually. That's amazing. So wow. It was, how did how did you make that happen? Because a lot of people will be it. at one company for fourteen years and be in yeah. one notch up from where they started. Yeah. You know. You know, I think I was very fortunate, uh, very opportunistic. I think mm-hmm. another thing in my career that I really looked for was always trying to learn because to your point, sometimes people that only move up a notch, the reason why they only move up a notch is they don't take a chance that they stay in their comfort zone. Like I'm really good at this one thing and I just want to keep doing it until I'm so good at it. And I think for me, I have a really short attention span (laughs) and I like to be learning all the time. And so I think continually taking new opportunities. And then I had, a mentor who was uh, a senior manager that really made the big biggest change in my career because one of the things I've learned is you can talk about yourself till you're blue in the face, but when somebody else starts talking about you, that's when you really make a breakthrough in terms of having uh, the opportunities right. to get promoted. How did you get that guy to be such a big champion for you? You know... He's such an amazing man, and I think what's so funny when I think back on it, he had never had a, a woman work for him before, because I was wow. out in I was out in a other than like an administrative assistant sure, or right, something sure. like that. But I was out in a what had been historically a male role, and I think he was just so surprised at my style and how different I was, but how successful I was being in that role again going back to the empathy thing yeah that but he also like knew a lot of the nuances about where I would trip up and where I would not be successful and I just think he took me under his wing and just really uh, it's all because of Dale Stortz uh, who lives between Atlanta and uh, Beaver Creek now that I've had the the success in my career that I want to have. I mean, he really, really took me under his wing. And and I love what you said about being the only woman that he, that was working for him and how that kind of caught his attention. Cause that made me think at a coolest woman event that I was at with Wendy, I was complaining about how I was the only woman on my finance team. And one of the ladies pulled me aside and was like, sometimes that can be a good thing because you're going to get noticed. So if you do a really kick-ass job, sometimes yeah. you have a spotlight that the other guys don't. Yeah. So that's a really positive way out. of looking at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, I think thinking about it that way, which is always the glasses half full versus right. half empty, because yeah. it did provide unique opportunities because you do stand out. Yeah. yeah. I do remember the downside of that and going to tech conferences and you'd walk into this big ballroom with this event and it'd be, you know, 10,000 guys and like a hundred women at the most, probably 50. And it, <laughs> it was, it was overwhelming at times. Like this is just a, I say things now I would never say before because of Ronnie, I'm blaming it on you. <laughs> it, it was a big bit of a sausage fest. <laughs> I'm peeling back Wendy's filter. She, she is. Yeah. Yeah. Before she would cuss and I'd go, oh, and, and now it's just no F word. And that's, that's as far as we've gotten. <laughs> Even that rule I can sneak away. Oh, oh, I, I actually broke it, a, I think, a couple weeks ago, too. So there. We're allowed to say fuck cancer. <laughs> yeah, we are. That we're allowed okay, to say good. We are. It's, it's kind of a phrase. Yeah. Not, yeah. You know. I'm trying to ghost together. It wouldn't be the same as... Uh, oh bad cancer or something like that (laughs) yeah that just wouldn't pack the same punch yes so you've been in ceo positions for over 10 years now right since actually president positions uh for 
20 some years, but president, uh, right. but president, president or CEO, wow. but CEOs since uh, for about 10 years. Okay. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And so what sparked the transition from Frito-Lay to the next move was the CEO position? I would it. No, I have a couple. Rudy's? I had a couple or, things in between. Oh, okay. So uh, that's the advantage and disadvantage of being extremely old. Oh, <laughs> but, wise. Uh, we say it wise. wise. We don't wise. say old. <laughs> right? Exactly. Wise. Because you look pretty damn good. Uh, I gotta tell you. Yes. That, oh, thank you so yes. much. Uh, so the first twenty-five years of my career was with big uh, food companies. So okay. I went from Frito Lay. Then I went from there to a company called Best Foods. I used to run the Oro Wheat uh, bread business, Thomas English Muffins, if you know those brands. Yes, sure. Uh, Then I went from there to Heinz, and I was the president of Heinz in London. So I've uh, so Heinz ketchup and all that, which you know. And then I was part of a team that got Hostess out of bankruptcy. Uh, so you know, if you like Twinkies or Ding Dongs, wow, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then to uh, Rudy's. So Rudy's was uh, Rudy's Bakery was my first uh, CEO role, okay. and that was uh, based uh, in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, wow, that's so funny. You're part of that Hostess because I totally remember that whole thing. Oh yeah, like Hostess is. G- Going out of business, going totally. to go bankrupt. There's not going to be any more Twinkies. Totally, you saved the Twinkies. You did well, and I got to tell you, I was when I was pregnant with my second. I once ate. I had a, <laughs> a, a whole box of Ho Hos. What is it like? Fourteen? Are those or, the donuts? No, it's the long, the Ho Hos, the long chocolate the covered. Is. Oh, those are the those are Ding Dongs. They're ding dongs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The ho hos are. Oh no, you're right. Those are ho hos. I so think they're, they're they the are. Like the yeah, y'all. They're the holes. Yeah. I got pretty. Who named yeah. the, all these products? I, I got pretty <laughs> pretty acquainted with the ho ho, y'all. No, you're right. Uh, I think it's the ho ho. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I was confused with Wendy's the cupcake. Wendy's like, I ate a whole box of them. And I, I mean, what y'all, I was so sick, and I couldn't eat ho hos for so long. But oh. the whole time I was eating them, I was like, this is the best thing in the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> and I was pretty large, so I was wasn't feeling at the top of my game um, so hey i'm sure that didn't help you no, oh, no, no it's one of those things where you needed them though i need to get them. you through that's right how I, did they get out of bankruptcy well they were actually in bankruptcy twice so i was there the first time they got out and okay. then uh, and it was uh, and it still wasn't totally successful and it mainly bankruptcy when that happens is that you need to do a major restructure mm-hmm. of the company that the costs are out of whack right, relative right. to what the sales growth is so okay. we had a plan in the first round we got the company out of bankruptcy and then I went to be the CEO of Rudy's and then unfortunately things just didn't go too well and they got back in bankruptcy and then the firm that came in really did a major restructure after that and was able to uh, get it out and it's a quite a successful company now oh yeah, yeah. Wow. oh totally I'm oh I, I mean they're like a staple of U.S. society right yeah truly so I love that you you made this move you've always really been in the food industry yes right um and that's been your wheelhouse is that right yeah absolutely right is have you ever wanted to do something totally different so I've done two things totally different. One, after I left Frito-Lay, I actually went to Gateway Computers for oh. a year. Uh, do you remember Gateway? They were the, yes. ca- the cow box people. Totally. Uh, so they were, it was late 90s, explosive growth. I thought, I got to get out of this boring old food business. I want to get into technology. <laughs> and so uh, Gateway at the time had just moved their corporate headquarters from uh, South Dakota 
to La Jolla, California, and they had a business Ooh. division in Orange County, California, and they hired me to run their small business division, and it was the probably the worst job of my career. Oh, and, wow. But it was a great experience, you know, because you have to sort of learn what you like and what, and you, what don't you don't like, and it was just technology. As much as I love to use it, I didn't like selling it. It's just food is, I think if you become a food person, since we all love, I mean, all of our lives are based around food. Yeah. Think mm -hmm. about every positive experience you've had. Totally. Pretty much everything has got some kind of food involved yeah, with it. Yeah, it's true. And I think I that... I love food. You know, it's it's love crazy. It. And, and I'd never talk about my iPhone or my, my computer or any technology product as any positive experiences around those technology <laughs> It's like, yeah. hell no. All I think about is I've got to call Apple finally oh. again. <laughs> And I've put it off way too long, right? <laughs> right I mean, it's oh, yeah. tough. I attach all my positive memories to food. Like, I can remember what I ate on Parker and I's first date. I remember what Wendy and I oh, ate yeah. the first time we brainstormed about the podcast. Yep. You it just, is like, funny. It, yeah. Yeah, and you don't really realize that until you just said that. So, right. I mean, yeah. like, just like this, the, the idea of sort of, you know, breaking bread with people is, a, you know, it's a, it's a real thing. And so right. when I went to work for the technology company, I just didn't feel the passion for it. And, and it was really funny because my husband, you know, at the time, he's like, oh, my gosh, you need to stay. You're going to make so much money. You're in technology. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, I, it doesn't really matter to me because I just like, I don't love this. Yeah, it's and not my thing. It's just not my thing. And so then I went and ran the Aura Wheat business and that wow. was really fun. Whoa. So, so I did, so I did that. Then, then, gosh, a number of years later, my husband actually uh, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh my goodness. And he um, passed away. And after he passed away, I was like, okay, I'm not going back to the boring old business world. Uh, I'm going to do something, you know, better with my life. And I went to Regis University here and actually started to get a master's degree in counseling. And I thought, wow. I know, I was like, okay, wow. you know, I'm going to just do something totally different. I've got you know, all this empathy and all these great, you know, personal skills. So I thought, and so I started studying I got through the about halfway through the second semester, and I realized that the world could use uh, my money more than they could use my counseling skills, and <laughs> that I really just needed to go back to get a real job because I really was not that great at counseling people. It'd be kind of like we did the I mean the 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 momentous experience was we're literally doing a role play. And so Ronnie will just pretend like you're a drug addict. Okay. And, you know, and so <laughs> okay. basically, and, you know, for listeners, like she pot. is not, you know. <laughs> Wendy, I know don't tell Jane that. <laughs> Ronnie took me to the pot store for the first time. Oh, good. I now have my medical marijuana license. Oh. I'm a very proud owner. And Yay. she took me because I was having all the, the side effects of the bone aches. Oh, yeah. um, with uh, this uh, Arimidex, it's like a hormonal chemotherapy pill you take every day. And so she says, I know what we should do. We should go to the pot store. I said, <laughs> okay. We went to like the bougiest dispensary yes. in the state of Colorado. We did. In Louisville. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, like an it's an Apple store when you walk in yeah. there. Oh, really? Oh, it yeah. is like well lit. There's yes. these couches. Oh, wow. Like funky. It's so clean. Yeah. It is cool. Uh, yeah. I know when I went to any others, it was like, ew, yes. this is gross. Yeah, it's a little, they can be a little freaky. Yeah. But that, it, one, that one's like walking to the Apple Store. But yeah. it works, though. Oh, right? it does. I mean, it really, it's amazing. Really, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a total proponent for it now I'm for to use it in this regard. But 
There's, but I'm sorry, we got a little off track. No, no, no. So, so Ronnie's a drug addict. Yeah, yes. yeah. Back to and that. you're trying to counsel her. Yes, you're doing an exercise in this course. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, I'm just saying, you know, hey, you know, Ronnie, you know, like, how do you, you know, break this habit? And you're like, well, I just really can't. Like, what advice do you have? Is what you're saying to me, and I'm mm-hmm. like. I think it's pretty simple. Just stop doing drugs. I like your but, professor's like, um, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. okay, what happened to all that empathy, right? That I had in the business world. I'm like, this is just so clear. Just stop doing drugs. And it was really at that moment. I realized that it was that uh, honestly, I just didn't have yeah. the skills right, to right. really be able to, to, wow. to work with somebody in a way that would be really helpful. But and you so, thought how amazing you would. that you would go try would. it though. Yeah. Cause yeah. you would always wonder if you hadn't tried well, and how it. Many, exactly. How yeah. many times, Times when you go through this kind of a process with losing your husband and having to see that, well, you do want something good to come out of it, right? Absolutely. And so often women do say, you know, I've got the big job. I'm making the good money, but I want to do something that matters. And I say so often, but you, you can, you just use the paycheck to do good stuff. Exactly. And that's what you found. That's amazing. Well, and I think, you know, it is so interesting because I do think a lot of people don't have the opportunity or are afraid to try to some, do something different. Yeah. Right. And what happened was, I, at least I answered that question. Like mm-hmm. I was never having this great wonder, should I be doing yeah, that? You didn't have you know? any regret. No regrets whatsoever. And, I, and then when I went back to the workforce, that's when I went to Heinz. I was more committed than ever yes. because I like wasn't sitting there on the sidelines going, "Why? What do I get to quit the corporate job and get in yeah, to counseling?" I was like, "Wait a minute, I already did that, so and I'm yeah. good at this corporate thing, yeah. so let me get back on that train. Let me yeah. back in, right? right? Exactly. That's, That's awesome. so cool. I so it. I was reading your blog earlier, and you made me laugh when you said so blatantly. You called your mis- your career mistakes stupid moves, <laughs> right? And you're like, I, if I can help you avoid making stupid moves, that's rewarding for me and all that. So, what were some of the stupid moves that you made in your career that you were talking about? Oh gosh, I've made so many. I think uh, it's just <laughs> it's like hard to hard to to recount. I think I think maybe one of the biggest ones that would be worth pointing out to your listeners is at one point I actually pretty much thought that my success was all about me mm. and 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 this was pretty early in my career because I'd been at Frito-Lay I'd been very you know very successful in terms of moving up the ladder like we talked about and getting promotions and I got confused about the difference between your own personal impact and the combination of things that make us successful which is part your personal impact, like work ethic or, you know, empathy, but it's also there's circumstance and there's luck and there's other team members that are there. It's a soup of things that make success. Yeah. And you think you're 90% of it all. Exactly. Right. Have you ever had that experience? Oh, totally. Okay, good. I was like sort of thinking, maybe I'm the only one that's kind of thinking I'm all that. (laughs) All that in a bag of chips. Let's be honest. (laughs) It is, you get a little big for your britches. Absolutely. And you start, I mean, it, I, I wondered where did you learn kind of this aha? Because a lot of times people don't ever learn it because it it's a little like it happens so slowly. Yes, that you you it isn't like one day you wake up and go, I am the queen of the universe, and it's nothing I can do wrong. It's not. It's that slow tick 
of where your families one day are thinking, wow, there's nothing I can do wrong. I mean, you just feel like you're on this high. Exactly. So what, I mean, how did you figure that out? That it was so many, it was really this, the soup of things that got you to that place. It was a really hard lesson, which was I'd been really successful. I'd gotten promoted to president. There was a reorganization at the company and I was at this really high level woman and they were kind of like, well, you know, we don't, you know, what job do you want? Maybe you want to go to Pepsi and there's some, you know, big jobs. And at the time, it's like when I don't really want to leave Dallas. And so I kind of, you know, put my superhero cape on. And I was like, well, I, this one job I did a couple of years ago, uh, which was a regional vice president job, I had been, this was the thing that catapulted my career. Well, there was a, a turnaround situation, same job, turnaround. It was a lower level than my job. But it was a job that I'd had before. And so I was like, okay, well, Jane Miller, you know, superstar, (laughs) highest level woman at Frito-Lay, like knock this one out of the park. I'm going to walk into this bad boy and And blow this up, blow this up. So same job I'd had where I'd been really successful. So I'm like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I like raise my hand. I'm like, I'm going to like, let me do this job. Like, let me at it. Let me at it. Like, I'm like the one to do it. Well, I get in there. So same job, different geography, totally different circumstances. I didn't have the right toolkit. I didn't have the people around the the people were terrible. The circumstances were very, very different. The other one was like a low market share job where we had been really growing it, getting new customers. This was in Texas where we had like an 80 market share. So where do you go from there? You could only go down for the most part. And I stepped in thinking, okay, Jane Miller's here. We're going to get this all going the right direction. And it was just like walking into a wall again and again. And, and, and it was really hard because at the culture of the company, you know, I had been what was pretty much a hero, but just as quickly I became a zero. I mean, it was like the most amazing thing to go from being on top Mm -hmm. to being not on top yeah, and not even like being in the middle, sort of like, well, what's wrong with Jane that she can't do this? And it was it was hugely hard on my on my ego, and I think so. The related stupid move was <laughs> that um, I was so arrogant and so mad about it, I just quit. So instead of instead of saying, okay, like most smart people should do, so dear listeners, please do not ever quit a job <laughs> without having a job. Uh-huh. Like instead, I'm like, well. You know, screw you guys. I'm going to leave this place and go get the next I'm great go job. Go get the next job. Oh my gosh! And, but you know, it's a big company, and they're like, yeah. "Hey, sorry, Jane Miller, that you're gone, but not really." And then all yeah. of a sudden, I'm without a job, and then then you have to go through that whole thing of trying to explain mm. what happened. Of course, you don't tell that story. You have the story right. that you tell about you know why you left and taking some time off or whatever whatever yeah. it was at the time. But that was the craziest thing because I like sabotaged myself, yes. which was, yeah, you know, I wasn't a, a hero anymore, but I didn't have to quit. Right. You know, and, and I think that that, but I was so emotional and so mad at the company and I didn't really have any place to channel that. And wow. I just, and so that's the stupid move. <laughs> and, and what I'm hearing is, is the advice that I don't think I've ever heard so succinctly is before you get to the next job and take on the next challenge, look at all the landscape of what's there. You alone can't make every situation successful. You have got to have, have at least cultivated territory over there where there's a, either a good team. You've got to have like so many of the components 
that will allow you to succeed. Right? Oh, you said that exactly right. And I think I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea how to take stock of that. Yeah. I, again, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'd like kind of stepped out of it like, well, if I did this before, I could do it again. But I didn't have wow. a good team. I didn't have a supportive boss. I didn't have the market circumstances. I didn't have, you know, yeah. and at the end of the day, the only thing that was constant was Jane. And that wasn't enough. It to wasn't make enough. It, it just mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. enough. Yeah. Interesting. Because so many women, when we move to the next position, we don't take enough stock of all those contributing factors. Well, and I think we're kind of trained to some degree to sort of, you know, on one hand, I think most women are pretty modest about it. But on the other hand, you want to like make sure that you are taking credit. You know, I think that's a lot of the advice you got is don't don't minimize yourself. You know, yes. make sure you're out there and you're taking credit for it, right, which right. is it's which is true. But there is this other dynamic about yeah. really understanding what's what's missing from totally. the puzzle. Yeah, totally. It's a balance. But how did you ever get this idea to do the book and why? So I wrote the book about five years ago, right. or actually started it, I think, maybe seven years ago, and it was published about five years ago. It was really kind of comes down to that story and others, which was, and by that time, I'd been 30 years into my career, and I had just made a lot of stupid moves, as you said, like, you know, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of mistakes. And I felt that if somebody would have told me about some of these things, I wouldn't have made those mistakes. Now, maybe I would have made other mistakes because we're all going to make mistakes. Sure. But it just felt like so many of the ones that I was making and had made could have been prevented. Wow. If I would have had a little somebody that could have you know, given me some advice. And, and what I found, and I don't know if this is true for you too, Wendy, but in my career, you know, technology's changed. You know, a lot of things are different in terms of jobs. But what hasn't changed is how people interact with one another. Oh, so true. And so a lot of my book, you know, some of these stories are from 30-some years ago. And they're still so true, But they're still totally relevant. Yeah. I mean, I've had a number of women, you know, who have read. I have a couple chapters on, you know, sexual harassment and just difficult situ- situations in the workforce. And this came out before Me Too. Yeah that are still happening today in yeah. terms of how women are being treated. And if you would have asked me what, when the story happened, it'd be like, oh, by the time I turn 60 years old, there's no way that women are going to yeah. be treated like this <laughs> yeah. in the workforce. That's going to be like so obsolete. But then yeah. I found that it wasn't. And yes. so I really kind of, and I felt that I was mentoring so much, but having some of the same discussions over and over that I thought if I had all this information in one place, mm-hmm. it would be easier to sort of say, Ronnie, here's this, or, you know, Wendy, here's that. And so, so you could actually read it. And, yeah, and you're scaling you. You're, it's a scaling thing. Exactly. You want to impact more than one by one. Right. You want one to many. Exactly. And a, a book allows you, as you know, yes. to do that where you can get your message out on a, on a more broad basis. Totally, totally. And it, it, it was a bucket list thing for me. It me was, too. It felt so um, like it was hard. It was, did you think it was hard to write the book? It wasn't. I, it was hard because um, you go through Just cycles. to get through the process. To see through the process because yeah. sometimes you feel like you have a lot to say and other times you're mm-hmm. like, oh, like I really can't, I don't even want to listen to myself oh, talk, yeah. let alone, <laughs> yeah. like who else is going to want to hear Well, this? I don't want to read oh, yeah. this damn book again right. to, to go through it again, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I mean, I felt like I read it a hundred times going through it and over and over. Exactly. So. Exactly. But it was, but I, I think the hardest thing about it was being honest about making mistakes and mm. owning those because, you know, in a lot of the books I've read that are you know from CEOs it's all the great things that I did the wonderful stuff like I'm so fabulous (laughs) and for me 
I wanted to try to balance that out with a lot more of the mistakes. And so yeah. to be that kind of vulnerable was really kind of hard. And the first final draft, I didn't name any of the companies. And I just gave a lot of the stories. And the, the Foundry Group, uh, which is a local uh, venture capital group in Boulder, they had just started a publishing arm. And they published my book. And Brad Feld, who's one of the partners there, read my book and did some editing on it. And he said, you have to say who these companies are. Wow. You, you need to put it in here because you need to bring that level of realism to what happened. And I don't mention any names. No, but um, people know the companies. But people know right? the companies. And and so that was a really, a really vulnerable thing to do wow. because all of a sudden it's not like this nameless, faceless, big company someplace. Right. It's Frito-Lay or it's Heinz yes. or it's yeah. Best Foods yes. you know, or it's Rudy's. And I think... All of those things make it a little bit more, a little bit more personal. Yeah, yeah. that sounds scary too to call out all those big company names like out of fear. I don't know because oh, yeah. they're such big powerhouses. Yeah, were you scared at all? I feel like I would have been scared. Well, I think the only, I think the, the what I felt comfortable about uh -huh. was that I owned all my mistakes. So if you read my book, it isn't I don't blame this person or I blame that person. Every it's... mistake I own that there was how I reacted yes. to it, what I did about it, because stuff's going to happen to us. Yeah. And I know you've heard this a thousand times. So it's not that what happens to you, it's how you react to what happens to you. Exactly. And so where I felt kind of protected about it was I never said, oh, this guy was a bad guy or that yeah. guy, was, guy was a bad guy. It was like, here's what happened, and this is what I did, and this is what I should have done. Wow. And, and I so with that, I think I felt a little bit less – scared about saying the companies yeah. because it wasn't about them it was right. really about me right and it was more just the context of the company so someone could understand more right. about totally. this, the real circumstance because that's what helps that's what's helpful to others because oh, so what just like you said whatever what else happens around you is out of your control yeah. so what's helpful is hearing what you did and what you wish you would have done exactly yeah now do you you mentioned me too and you've seen it we both have because we're not that different in age believe me i just would like to hear your perspective of even what you've encountered over time and most of the time if you're at the the top of a company there's you're less likely to get sexually harassed because you're running the show exactly. right yeah I mean right. it's when you're like no probability of that actually yeah <laughs> right right and right. except when if you went to events where there were other peers right right, right. so the higher you want to up I assume the less um, you experience the, any kind of bias or, or harassment? You know, it's, it's so, so part of my book, I, I give some advice around, um, trying to identify harassment and what that looks like, mm. uh, using a, lo a local lawyer here who does some work in that. Cause I think it's, it's, it's a very tricky subject. You know, when I was growing up in my career, there was a lot of sex that was happening at the, in the workplace. Um, but most of it was not about somebody trying to get someone to do something for favors or to move up. It was more a wild and crazier time. Yeah. And so although I do think there were some circumstances in my career, uh, especially early on when I was a little bit more naive and didn't know how to react to things, that, that I would, would, would have been put in a couple of situations where somebody was coming on to me that was inappropriate at the time. Uh, but I would say 
most of the the advances or sort of the situations I got into earlier in my career were probably mutual in some ways. Oh, yeah. And it was never really about getting promoted or thinking you're getting promoted. It was a, a time of... Consensual. Consensual. Kinda, this is crazy. It's People going were fast. just banging it out. <laughs> literally, right? Literally. I, I mean, because you're working, you know, you're, you're working all the time well, and you're around people of the same age. And it and wasn't this... Man, you got to think real hard about sleeping with somebody else at the company because it can come back and really bite you. Right, right. right? And yeah. before, that wasn't it at all. Not so much, you know. And so I think, so, you know, so what's happened over time, I think uh, I think there's a lot more, obviously, sensitivity to it. I mean, everything that's came out in the last couple of years with Me Too shows that there are some old boy systems mm-hmm. that still exist. Uh, and frankly, when I came out with my, my book, a number of people talked to me about situations that they were in where mm-hmm. that was was actually um, was actually happening. I do think maybe the biggest thing about Me Too has been the awareness for women that it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. That that there is they don't have to deal with they it. don't have to deal with it and I do and so for in those environments where it exists I think there was this kind of call to action that it doesn't have to be like this yeah because I think a lot of people a lot of women maybe have been in companies or industries mm-hmm. where this is has never changed yeah and so you just don't know any different and no. all of a sudden me too too comes out and it's like wait a minute this has happened in the entertainment industry it's yeah. happened in media and it doesn't have to be that way and I think sort of yeah, it's almost a, a, voice. a general zero tolerance across any industry. Exactly. Right? You, no one should ever have to deal with this. Yeah, and it's and it almost like it needed to come out for some people to sort of mm-hmm. some women to be able to say, "Wait a minute, maybe I am putting up with this. Like why why am I doing that?" I think that yeah. awareness is has been has been really really helpful totally. overall. And and because I do think that it is an unacceptable behavior. And yeah. I think bosses that have sort of said, oh, that guy, you know, he's older. He's, you know, used to patting girls on the butt or something like that. It's like, no, wait a minute. So I think no. even for, yeah. you know, you know, a lot of the, you know, maybe more old white guys that are running companies who are still most everybody who's running a company, that I think there was probably a little bit of a wake-up call here. Like, am I, you know, I didn't really think about this as being, you know, bothering somebody, but maybe it is bothering somebody. Yeah. Oh, you know? totally. Totally. So I think the the heightened awareness has been has been really really good, and I'm guessing that there's probably thousands of guys that I've crossed paths with, not necessarily thinking about me, but have probably went to bed at night going, okay, something that happened in 1985 is that gonna like oh, is yeah. that gonna come back come, and... is that gonna come back <laughs> bite me? Totally. totally. <laughs> so I think there was probably a lot of sleep those nights that came out of the Me Too movement. <laughs> oh, I think there still okay. is. They'll right. they'll survive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope they can't sleep, Dadgummit. <laughs> right, exactly. To be honest. <laughs> how, but with the, how has your leadership style had to change? Like, I would ask a male CEO or a female CEO that because there's such a bigger emphasis on diversity and inclusion and, and a good a culture. diverse staff and having a good culture. Have you had to bring in more focus on that and more efforts? As you've been those CEOs areas. of these other companies? Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't just because I, I guess I feel as, you know, one of a few kind of early on female CEOs that just have always felt the, the, a, a zero tolerance mm-hmm. environment. So I don't know that I have, have really changed. I think I've become more sensitive to uh, 
some of the people that work for me and how they treat people ah. in some ways, which is maybe more of, even though I would say that I had a zero tolerance policy, sometimes you, there's nuances that you don't necessarily pick up mm-hmm. quite, you need to be more sensitized to. So sure. I would say that I'm a little bit more sensitive oh, me too. to things and it could be less around harassment and the more overt things, but more around how people get put down and how women don't have their voices. Mm. And so I think there's a, it's a more nuanced piece of it. I mean, I think the harassment piece is horrible right. and discrimination there, but there's also a lot that happens in the workplace in terms of how you listen to people mm. right. and how you give people credit and how mm. you dismiss people that don't have the same style. Mm-hmm. And going back to your point about diversity. So I think what's changed with my my leadership is trying to be more tuned in to diversity. And I'm not talking black or white, men or women. I'm talking really diversity of style and how people think about things. Because even in all companies, we tend to hire people that look and act and talk like us. Yes, have the same style. And have the same style. And, you know, not that you want to be a yes man, but you sure like someone who's agreeing with yeah. you versus someone who is is confronting you. Yeah. Right, right. And, and having that ability to say, what's the difference? Is someone who's confronting you, is that healthy? Yeah. Or is that person a problem? Right. right. And so I think, so I think my style is continuing to evolve. I would say that's probably one of the key things that I work on now personally more than anything else is trying to have that sensitivity mm-hmm. uh, that uh, not everybody is alike. Wow. And I think when you hire for um, diversity and style, you are naturally going to bring on a diverse staff mm-hmm. because right. people think differently when they have different backgrounds mm-hmm. and different experiences. Absolutely. So exactly. I, I like that way of approaching it. I do too. And you have such a genuine down to earth um Persona, don't you think? Aura. 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 <laughs> right. Aura. That's a, I'm standing up in my chair a little bit taller here. Yeah. Up. You do. I mean, you you have a pretty hefty resume, but you you just, you're so approachable, right? So, and I like that you also have a sense of humor. In fact, that's kind of where I was going with this, having a sense of humor at work. Has that been something that's helped you in your career? Um, do you leverage it? Is it intentional? So I think I've always had kind of a nature of, of laughter and yeah. wanting to have a good time. And I, I don't really know where that comes from, um, but I think I've just sort of sort of been something that I've had. And I think it breaks the ice in a lot of ways. Oh, I agree. You know, when you're not super serious about everything. And I think uh, I like to laugh a lot and I like to be around people that laugh. And I do think from a cultural standpoint – it does make you more approachable. And I do think that people, uh, if they feel like they know the person who's running the company a little bit more, mm-hmm. you feel like you can trust the direction more and versus, again, this kind of nameless, faceless person who's in a corner office that doesn't ever, you know, talk to anybody. Right. And oh, I think, I and, you know, and over time, I think I've gotten even you know, probably even maybe maybe too informal, I would say. I mean, like as I have the dog sitting here on my lap, I mean, it's hard to imagine <laughs> when I was the president of Frito-Lay that I would have a small white poodle terrier. <laughs> but today this dog goes with me to work every day and, you know, people are, you know, she's in all the meetings and, you know, so she... <laughs> Bella is very important. So she yeah. is, she is. She's a, she's a true CEO dog. <laughs> I love that though. It's all about being yourself. It is. At work. It is. I love it. And I think that when you are lighthearted and have a sense of humor, 
people pay attention to what you have to say. Just thinking about when I've seen Wendy speak, she always throws some jokes in there and sprinkles (laughs) some jokes in there. And then it keeps people engaged and they're listening and they're like, oh, talking about sexual harassment doesn't have to be so depressing. So (laughs) dooming. Right, right, right. right. Well, and the the tricky thing early in my career, the thing I had most trouble with was because I am somewhat lighthearted and and informal people get that confused with not being professional right and so it's so it's easier for me now mm-hmm. because i'm in i am that most senior person um now you know generally i'm usually you know the, the oldest person too and so when you sort of have those kind of you know credentials coming in right. of age and experience sure. you can be more yourself but yeah. i think when i think back to when i was in my 20s Having the style I have now, which I did have with a little bit less <laughs> confidence, was harder to get my point across because a lot of times people dismissed me as being some frivolous girl wow. as opposed to somebody who was super smart and working hard but just happened to have an easygoing style. And I now. remember this because I've been, I think, very consistent with my style over time and having fun. I said we spend way too much time at work not to have fun, mm-hmm. right? And we spend Agreed. more time at work than we do our families. Agree. And I do think there were moments where people didn't take me seriously or didn't see my intelligence behind it. And I remember I I would start to drop these hints when I would meet people to set a tone. I would drop the computer science masters or I spent 20 years in tech, you know, running products and building product as a way to get people to say, oh, we got that out of the way. Now I could be myself. Right. And it set this tone. It was actually a really cool way. It was almost like you did the same thing with sexual harassment. I would drop that I had a husband early on when I was on uh, in events Um, because I had so many instances where you would get hit on that I wanted to set that tone. So I just yes. jokingly say it like, well, you can't come and sit at our table and eat dinner with us unless you're a Broncos fan. My husband and I don't miss a game. And instead of saying, I don't miss a game. Yes. I'd say it because it was like, now back off, bitch. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> don't even play with me. Exactly. Right? I just don't have time for it. Yeah. So it's funny how you, you can use that as a little technique. Well, do you remember that girl that did the video of us at the Chloe Capitol? <sighs> and she was asking you, asking for advice about all the film work that she was doing yeah. for different companies. And she goes, I have to wear a fake wedding ring around yeah. just to these, so these guys will leave me alone. Yeah. But I want to be single for the nice guy. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, Wendy yeah. was like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that just sucks. You need to get some new places you're going. I know. But, you know, I just ran over to um, the golf course here because uh, my daughter was in town and one of her high school friends was still working there as a summer job. And she and the other woman there were 23, no, maybe 20. Yeah, same age as Maddie. And both of them deal with ongoing harassment from all the male golfers they say it's just something they've gotten used to and i went this is gross yeah right that's kind of how it is when you work in restaurants yeah the most annoying line i would get at pizzeria was oh i hated it it was how do you stay so skinny working at a pizza restaurant that's what the guys would say to me it's like first of all i'm not even that skinny (laughs) i would just go it's my first day 
<laughs> really? Oh my gosh, that's like the best line ever. It's that's my first time. And then walk away. Yeah. That was two really years blessed. into it. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, that's I, good. I, I, yeah. Oh my God. Well, and I've been just dying to ask you about this work-life balance because I still struggle with it. And I've actually had more trouble with the work-life balance when I've had my own company or I've been working at a startup that I love. Right, right. Um, Because you have to make yourself stop working. It isn't somebody beating on you saying, get in there and spend more time. It's you have to step away because life is too short. Um, how, how, what advice would you give people about how you've managed your work-life balance? Do you feel like you got that lick now? You know, no, it's a, it's an ongoing process. You mm. know, I think that, and I would say earlier in my career, I was definitely more of a workaholic. It was really important to me to move up the corporate ladder. Mm. And, and I would say I made some poor personal decisions, uh, based on my desire to be successful at work. Mm. And I think it's something we have to just always work on. I, I do think that the one piece of advice that I do have on this, because I've thought about it a lot, it's all about priorities. Wow. And your priorities just change in, in your life. Mm-hmm. So when I was 22, my priority is different than it is today. And I think the thing that people get confused about is not understanding what's important to you. And maybe thinking about a spouse or a kid or a boss or somebody else who's got all kinds of expectations for us. Mm -hmm, But if you sort of sit down and you sort of say, hey, I'm working a lot because I have my own company, you go, but that's not a bad thing because I I love that. Yes. So like, like, don't be hard on yourself for that. Yes. But I, I do think at different times, like when your kids were young, it's a different priority than maybe today. And so I think that's kind of the, to me is the, the one piece of advice is each one of us is always going to struggle with work-life balance, you know, just because that's just the nature of trying to make decisions around how you spend your time. Mm -hmm. But if you can just be crystal clear on what's important to you uh, and really sort of put rules around that. Now, having said that, it's hard. I would say, you know, even a month ago, I had a great friend that was coming to visit me, uh, and, and we were going to spend. I hadn't seen her in a long time. We we're going to spend the weekend together, and I had this really important business meeting that came up, and so I was going to have to cut our weekend short. Well, the old me would have been like Michelle, "Hey, I got to cut the weekend short because I'm going to. I have to go to this meeting," and I really had to think about this. But it was like I really want to see her. We haven't seen each other, and I have somebody else who can handle the meeting. I don't have to be there. And this was just like four weeks ago. Wow. So, I mean, you know, this, so it is like, wow. it's because you have get like these old patterns, uh-huh. which oh, the pattern totally. was important meeting. Jane needs yeah. to be there. Well, I didn't actually really need to be there because I've got an amazing head of sales who could be there in my place. Wow. And to cancel on Michelle, who'd been planning on this and I'd been planning on it. But it, but you know, I think the moral of the story for me was I had to think about it. Yeah. That was not a no-brainer. Like, right. okay, you go handle this meeting. Right. I mean, I looked online. I was trying to figure out every possible way that I <laughs> to could do both. To do both. Oh. I mean, that was what I was going to solve for. I was yeah. going to have the weekend with her, and I was going to get to the meeting. <laughs> yes. And that was just how it was going to be because yes. I could solve for a win-win. And uh, it's that thing you go back to: just because you can even possibly do both doesn't mean you should. <laughs> Exactly, because I would have literally killed myself oh, yeah. to make I've it done to it. that meeting. Yeah. And it's I've like, done it. Oh, 
It's yeah. like, I, and I can't tell you how I've had to slow down. I mean, the big epiphany I've had in the last week is uh, when Chris first met me, um, because we just got engaged in December. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank oh, my you. goodness. And when he first met me, I kind of knew he was the right guy. And he got me because he said, Wendy, you can put 20 pounds of shit in a 10-pound bag better than anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> and right. I went, oh, my God, he so knows me. I don't know if that was a compliment, but it really wasn't he a so smackdown, right? right? And I'll, I have gotten to the point where it was kind of the value I thought I brought, and it was the worth I felt. And now my whole intent is getting healthy and dealing with this treatment and yes. getting through it. And it is now, can I put two pounds in a 10 pound bag in that same bag? Right. And could it be the right two pounds? Right. 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 Because I need, I can't tell you, I just, your brain is an overload and you have to pull back. So you have some, some buffer or, or you're not going to get through the treatments well. You're not going to get through your life and have quality of life during this. And you're going to get through it feeling like you dealt with cancer in the margins. And now it should be the central part of my life, right, right? to get through it. So, ooh, that's really deep, wasn't it? No, that was good. Okay. It was. I loved it. it. No, it was. I mean, that's. But I think it is interesting, though, how sometimes in our lives, whether it's a person like Chris or it's an emergency like you're faced with cancer, mm. sometimes we all need something to jolt us mm-hmm. out of the routine that we're in. Yeah. And I think, and, and that's, I think, a hard thing is a lot of times you don't, you know, you don't even realize, right, like kind of the rut that you might be in or the 10 pounds in the five pound bag no. that you might be doing because that's just what you've always done. Yeah. yeah. Because, I, and it was weird because I've learned. It, it was like my go-to. It's like what you said. My go-to was put my shoulder down and just push through it. And now when things come up, I struggle with it because I am, I can tell my mind's just, I keep telling um, people, they say, you look so great. You're doing so great. And I say, yeah, I'm that duck that on the top of the yeah. water, he's just gliding <laughs> yes. along and underneath he's just paddling his little <laughs> bitch ass little feet just <laughs> You know, just as hard as he can. I mean, that's me. What a good analogy. Underneath, I'm like, you know, I'm like, keep it together. What else? What else am I missing? Uh, you know, should I have asked for that bone scan? I should have asked for it earlier. You know, I should be looking at the Facebook page. I mean, it's just I'm constantly so many things. Yeah, I got my goggles on underneath so I can see your little legs. <laughs> I got the inside scoop totally. And now it's about like I even leave earlier. I leave, I, I don't, I, I get anxious when I'm, by, when I'm late for do, and doctor's appointment. And I have turned into my grandma Pearl. I have a doctor's appointment every day. And <laughs> I grandma, know. You have a grandma Pearl? Oh, yeah. I, oh, ha, I had. You had, had a grandma Pearl. Grandma Pearl. I that have turned into so her. Cute. And I have as many, as many pills as she does. I, I have a pill box. I, I'm proud of it now. I'm very organized. And on Sunday, I fill up my pill box. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I am, I'm a 75-year-old woman. <laughs> I know I'm really 56 on the outside, but 75 inside because I do like it, but it is so I get anxious. And so now I deal with it differently. I now leave early. I bring a book to read. I, you know, even if I feel like it, if not, I just sit and listen to music. And before it was like, okay, I got here early. I got to get something done. And now it's, 
just enjoy life. So, <laughs> so we did have one last thing. We do these things called um, big girl faux pas, where we share. Um, well, Ronnie, you talk. You had this idea. I love it. You tell her about it. Oh, okay. Well, I think that Wendy and I were talking about how hard Wendy is on herself and how hard women are on themselves in general, and how we all do silly things at work sometimes. And we call them big girl faux pas. So we thought we'd incorporate that as a segment in the podcast. So Wendy did hers a couple weeks ago, and it was when she was in a performance review and she was pregnant. In the middle of the review, she just pulled the trash can over and just puked in it. It was awful. Right in front of the guy. It's awful. It's because you have no control, right? Was that that a faux pas? I mean, like, you couldn't help it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. But it's one of those instances where you went. Never good. It's a business whoopsie. Yeah, a business whoopsie, right? There we go. So we were wondering if you had one that you would want to share. I do have one. Okay. I probably have a number of them, but the one that I would like to share, and I don't know if anybody else has ever done this, but like the biggest faux pas that I think you can do is be in a meeting and not know the answer. And instead of saying, I don't know, make something up. Oh. Because you get busted every time so i mean (laughs) so i i can't remember the specific examples because i've only done this a couple of times but it took a couple times to learn it where you're like i'm supposed to know all the answers here and i'm just gonna like i I don't know what it is but instead of fessing up i'm just gonna come up with an answer and then there's always somebody in the room that actually knows the answer (laughs) and you you know and then you have like totally like embarrassed yourself so yeah. my you know my big girl faux pas is like <laughs> if you don't know it have the courage to say hey i don't know right now but i'll follow up on that as okay. opposed to making shit up yeah yes, <laughs> yes. i like that that's a so good one. so the the bottom line is making shit up always comes back to hurt you yes I, bite you it does it okay. does yeah i like it yeah oh, you might get away with for it with it for a little while yeah. but it, it'll come back oh i agree <laughs> I agree. And if that person doesn't speak up that knows it in that moment, they're going to go behind your back and tell people that they knew it. Exactly. Which may be even worse than right. having the embarrassment in the room, you oh, know, because totally. you don't even know you're being, you know, sabotaged. Oh, totally. Sabotage. Well, this has gone so fast. Yes. Hasn't it? It's been awesome. I mean. Thank you, Jane. And thank you, Bella. <laughs> We're both very happy to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. What a fun conversation. Yes. Great to That's talk what to everybody you says. It's just so, you know, it's just. You know, the energy is awesome and it just really <laughs> thank brings you. out the, the, the best in Aww. all of us. So well, thank you. Thank you. Well, that's what we get too. You so get us. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, and I even, yeah, I wouldn't even have said it was the bag. I think it's just, you know. <laughs> um, is your book on Amazon for people to it buy? Is. It okay. is on Amazon. Yes. All right. Sleep Your Way to the Top and Other Myths About Business Success. Exactly. on Amazon. Don't miss it. And then what's your website also? It's janenose.com. janenose.com. And okay. it's just uh, all kinds of great career advice and just there's some videos or I have a series of five tips, a lot of blogs and just kind of practical. My whole thing is just practical advice. So yes. stuff that you can incorporate into your everyday world and that is not a heavy lift. Awesome. Well, the world is luckier because of you. I agree. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I loved how Jane was so direct in her 
like authentic, really approachable, approachable. Yeah. She was so articulate. She, mm-hmm. she, but if you were to meet her, you'd never think she held those huge roles. Yeah. Right. Right, right, right. But you could see, man, she is one determined little cuss. Oh yes. I mean, she, you can tell if she puts her mind to something, she's going to get it done. Well, obviously she becomes the highest ranking woman at every place she works. Exactly. That's crazy. So, well, and it's not like, oh, I'm the highest ranking woman of like, I don't know. Some dinky little company. It's like a freaking Pepsi. Oh, exactly. I mean, she had 36, right? She was the highest ranking woman at Frito-Lay. Yes. So she works her little butt off. And what I love. And she's herself at the same time. And she also brought us some Lily's chocolate. Oh, yes. Which has been my biggest find in my cancer diet Mm -hmm. because it has no sugar. Mm -hmm. But high grade um, organic That has saved your little sweet tooth butt. Oh, it has. Because you have got a sweet tooth I do. I'm awful. (laughs) All right, we're going to move to our big girl spotlight. All right. Right? And so this one I loved because it just happened recently. There's an Idaho woman who's made history by becoming the first woman to fly an F-35B combat jet for the Marine Corps. Damn. That is crazy. I don't even know what all those letters are. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a really fast-moving um combat jet okay right so far only men have been permitted to fly these expensive fighter jets but now the 29 year old woman from idaho has changed that and possibly opened up a way for other women to follow through wow isn't that cool that's so awesome so marine captain annalise satz who was a commercial helicopter pilot beforehand has trained all over the country for the last four years before accomplishing her goal and completing the f-35b basic flight training course. I think that's pretty tough to get through. At each of my training schools, I did my best, she revealed to a statement. I truly believe that showing up prepared and working diligently are two major keys to success. I think she's under underrating all she had to go through there. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I did my best. And yeah. here I am. And look at this. <laughs> Not There's been a lot of women that probably did their best too and didn't make this, right? <laughs> So, um, Captain Satz is set to pilot the F-35B Lightning II as part of the Marine Fighter Attack Squadron 121, the Green Knights. She said, I am incredibly excited to get VMFA 121 and look forward to the (laughs) opportunity to serve in the Fleet Marine Forces. I'm very grateful for the instructors, the maintainers, and the countless others at 501 who lent me their expertise and time while I was going through the flight training. Wow. Love it. I I love it too. And what we'd like to do is a call out. And if she would like to be on our podcast, we'd love to have her. (laughs) You're officially invited to the podcast. Yeah. If she's waiting to get an invite. She might be. She She might might be be sitting at home thinking about it right now. That's exactly it. So just in case you are, you're welcome to come anytime. Send you the address, give you the deets. And I love that. Thank you, Annalise. Man, the Marine Corps has a lot of acronyms. That was a little oh, crazy. A lot, a lot of acronyms. You know, Didn't... we haven't done anything about women in the military. No. So I'm glad we did that. Very few. We got to look more into that. I like these. Or why can't we have a guest on? Really, a real guest. Yeah. That's not a pretend Annalise that we may not get to, right? <laughs> Yeah, she's we, a real person, but I, let's be honest, inviting her on our podcast may not happen. Yeah, she's a little busy flying. Yes. Well, she may around. never hear our invitation. 
I'll, I'll make sure she hears it. You go, girl. Yeah. I'm, I get pretty persistent with the emails. I'm yeah. Like, did you get my email yet? Did you get my email yet? Did you get my email yet? <laughs> you said it worked, though. It, took it did work. Seven times. That's what we talk about. Yes, 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 yes. All right. But yeah, we'll find somebody else. Yes. That'd be a good interview. I love it. Never run out of ideas on this show, do we? Never, never. We just... <laughs> We're full of it. Full. <laughs> to, to the max. So thank you for listening to our episode. And we can't wait to talk right at you again next time. Yep, that's right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Go ahead then get that big girl money. Get it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Big Girl Money. We appreciate your support. If you want to follow us in other ways, we're on Instagram and Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. And remember... We love getting email mm -hmm. about your questions and stories. I mean, it knowing that we can make an impact mm -hmm. is one of the reasons we love doing this so much. So email us at biggirlmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And check out our website, which is biggirlmoney.com. So if you like us, that makes all the big difference in the world. So what do they do, Ronnie, if they like us? Well, Wendy, let me tell you. If they <laughs> like us, they should leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast so that others can find us. Yeah, and please share it so that other people can find us too. Thanks for listening. See you next time.